0: Congregation, the text for this morning is from 1 Samuel 16, the verses 14 through 23, the second part of 1 Samuel 16. Let me only read verse 18. Then answered one of the servants and said, "Behold, I have seen." A son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, that he is cunning in playing and a mighty, valiant man and a man of war and prudent in matters and a comely person. And the Lord is worth him. So far. Congregation, after an introduction and going over the Bible story. The theme is the evil spirit on Saul. And with the help of the Lord, four thoughts. The Holy Spirit taken from Saul. I said the Holy Spirit taken from him. As we see in verse 14, right? But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Secondly, the evil spirit troubling Saul. It's actually an evil spirit from the Lord. How can it be? An evil spirit from the Lord troubling him. 14b. An evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. In the third place, David playing the harp as a therapy for a troubled Saul as we see later in this chapter, seek out a man who is a cunning player on the harp and shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon him that he shall play with his hand and thou shalt be well. And the fourth place, an evil spirit departing from Saul. So an evil spirit departing. As we re- read in verse 23, it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand, so Saul refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. So the evil spirit of Saul, in the first place, the holy spirit taken from Saul, an evil spirit troubling Saul, David playing the harp as a therapy for a troubled Saul, And an evil spirit departing from Saul. Congregation, young people, how did David feel? He was the one chosen. Samuel walked up to him, put out all over his head, and his seven brothers were looking. Was he in shock? How did he feel? Did he understand that he was chosen? He was chosen the man according to God's heart, that he was the future king of Israel. You know, his father despised him. His father did everything about him. They left him on the, on the field with the flock, with the, with the sheep. They were sure that he was not material for becoming a king. But the Lord had chosen that David over his brothers, over those tall men. How did he feel? And what was next? How old was he anyway? Some say 15. I think he's really young. Maybe 17, maybe 20. He was young. And what was next? Was he going to school now to become a king or what? No, he went back to the far. He was yet a shepherd. And King Saul was still the king. So when was the coronation? When was the election? He had no idea. He was chosen to be king and someday he was supposed to be king of Israel. But he had no idea on what, what, was, what the next step would be. But the Lord would take care of that. And the Lord is going to make sure that this David will be a wise, experienced, mature monarch. He will He will take care of that. Somehow the Lord will give direction and steer it in a certain way. And David, the Lord was going to keep him busy and the Lord is going to train him, to train him somehow. He will be an experienced, warrior, a diplomat, a man of courage, tactful, caring. No, he would not be a perfect king. He would do actually awful things as well. And he was also worthy to be rejected later. Yet the Lord gave him mercy and restored him in his office. The first thing the Lord is going to do is to connect him to the palace. To connect him to Saul. So that Saul would know him, and he would know the king, and he would see what he's doing, that he would be close to him, that he would be kind of so close in that he almost saw anything that King Saul did. So to learn from him. But how did the Lord bring David to Saul? How was it going to work? Well, that is exactly what we are talking about, right? David had to see firsthand what the king was like, and Lord John to bring him there, to the palace of Saul. So that's why we read this. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Somehow the Holy Spirit was on him. We'll talk about that in the first part later. Somehow the Holy Spirit was on Saul, and the Lord going to take that Holy Spirit away from him. Going to depart from him. He had been gifted. Had the Holy Spirit somehow, but the Lord drew him, separated from him. And it was Noticeable that he did not only take the Holy Spirit away, but also an evil spirit came on him. It's also in verse 14. The spirit of the Lord departed, and the evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And they noticed that. He was sometimes in very bad mood. Raving, ranting, angry, aggressive, down, difficult, you can talk to him. You just kept your mouth closed. You had to walk and aches around him. And his servants saw that, And they cared for him. They felt sorry for him. Because they had loved King Saul. And they didn't like what they saw. So they really wanted to help him. To help their master. To help their king. He was not that old familiar king anymore. What happened to him? Was he never converted? Did he have something of the Holy Spirit? Did the Lord take something away? Did the Lord give something? You no, know, you should have seen his face. The face of David, the face of Saul, so troubled, so tired, so worried, so angry. So they cared for him. What can we do for him? They, they talked. The servants of Saul talked together. What can we do? This is not livable. We feel so sorry for him. But then Saul's servants said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubled thee." So they were honest to the king. They said, "King Saul, this is not normal. King Saul, there is uh, an evil spirit troubling you." They addressed him personally. Said, "Something wrong with you." They were open about that. That's kind of dangerous, right, to do that. But they cared. They want to help him. They didn't want to ignore him. They did not just want to fester this. So they spoke about it. So let our Lord now command thy servants, so very respectful, let our Lord, you are our Lord, you are our, you are our King, we love you. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning play on the harp. We need someone to play the harp for you. So what do you think about that? Someone comes in with a harp, with the leader, and just goes his hands over the snares and just plays a soft, soothing, special music to just calm you down and to just let you feel better. What do you think about that? Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out the man who is a cunning player on the harp, a, a professional cunning player, who can play very well. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, upon you, Saul, that he shall play with his hands, and thou shall be well. So they like to find a person to help him, and they themselves couldn't do it. There must be someone to be found to help him in this situation. And King Saul agreed. Apparently he was not in that bad mood at this time. So they must have waited until the mood was over. And then they spoke to him. If this happens again, it would be so nice if there would be someone playing the harp. And he, he, he agreed. And Saul said unto his servant, verse 17, Provide me not a man that can play well and bring him to me. So find one, please. It's all right. So that's a good step. A step in the right direction. And then there is one of those servants, one of them, he says, who thought, I know someone. I've seen someone. I'm sure that's a good candidate. And he brings it up to the king, he brings it up to the the fellow servants. And he says, you know, I know one. Verse 18, then answered one of the servants and said, behold, I'm sure, behold, I have seen with my own eyes, I've seen it, I know him personally. Wow. does it mean? We'll see it later. I've seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. That's not accidental. Accidental. That's on purpose. Lord, the Lord is directing this. Jesse, the Bethlehemite, That is a. That is cunning and playing. He, he can play so well. I have seen it. I have heard it. I know him personally. I'm convinced that's the right person. And he is a mighty valiant man. He has courage, and King David, King Solomon will respect him for that. He is a man of war. He is a soldier. He is trained. He is strong. He is also courageous and prudent in matters. That means he can speak well. He is eloquent and wise, and a comely person, someone fine-looking, and the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. That one servant must know something of the Lord himself, don't you think? Or at least he has as, as impressions, and he's so convinced that, that David he looks up to him. He is young yet, he is brave, he is strong, he is wise, he is good to look at, and he is especially a man of God. The Lord is with him. How do you mean? Well, the Lord with him, meaning the way he walks and talks, and the way way he lives, and he is an example to others, and everyone respects him, and says, this is a man of God. This is a man who walks in the Lord's ways and is obedient. Quite something. So Saul sends messengers unto Jesse and says, Send me David, thy son, which is the sheep. See, he was still worth the sheep. He was still in his old profession. But Saul said to Jesse, I want him to come. So David must have been young yet, right? Otherwise you don't ask his dad. He asked his father. He didn't didn't say, David come. He said, Jesse send your son. So that's why we think he must be very young. And Jesse took and asked the donkey, Lady with bread, with victuals, with food, and bread, and a bottle, or a big bag, a leather bag of wine, and a kid, kid meaning a, a young goat, and sent them by David his son unto Saul. So do you see that this Jesse still respects Saul? He knows his son was anointed to be king, And In spite of that, he just waits for the Lord's time, and he respects the king Saul, and says, "You know, I will send him, and I will give you some gifts, and he is some bread, and he is some, he is a goat for 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 a meal." He respects him. And David came to Saul and stood before him. Stood before him. So, do you see it happening? The, 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 the hall or that hall, that special room with the special chair, with the special throne, and King Saul on there, and David comes in. And he stands before him, and he looks at him, and he talks to him, and he listens to him. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and Saul loved him loved him greatly, he was so pleased with this young man right on, and he became even his army bearer, so he did not separate from him, he was all the time with him did uh, Saul go to another room, David followed him did Saul go for a walk, David followed him was Saul traveling? David was with him, always with him. Just, just to look at him, to listen to him, to learn from him. He was his apprentice. See it's how the Lord works. So the Lord is training David. And after a trial period, Saul sent to Jesse saying, "Let David, I pray thee, stand before me." May stay here, for he has found found favor in my sight. I like him. Can he stay with me? Not only for a trial period of a few months, but I would like to keep him. to keep him. And that's what he did. And the evil spirit came here. And King Saul was upset and down, and whatever it was, with trouble, fearful. And David was close to him, and had his harp somewhere close to him. He started playing the harp. And it didn't take long, and Saul relaxed, and was refreshed, and was well. And the evil spirit departed from him. And he was normal again. Just someone you could talk to. someone you could respect. See? So let us now go to the first part. The Holy Spirit taken from Saul. Verse 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul how can that be how can the Holy Spirit be given to someone and then being taken away from someone is that possible I always thought that when the Holy Spirit comes and brings grace and opens the heart and dwells in God's people and their temples of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit will never leave anymore. Once converted, always converted. So, how can it be? Well, it cannot be, it cannot mean that Saul was converted and that he became unconverted. Can it be? Can it be that, that he had the saving spirit and lost the saving spirit? It must mean something else, that Saul had the Holy Spirit in a different way, in a different sense. But he had the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit was taken from him, but the Spirit was departed, went away. So what is that? Is that the Common work of the Holy Spirit, then? What is that? Well, I read in the Bible that some people have deep impressions and respect and emotions and feelings for God and for the law and for His people and for conversion. And some that's warm and emotional about it. But that's not saving. Hebrews 6, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again and to repentance, it's impossible. If someone has tasted the word of God and was a partaker of the Holy Spirit, and then falls away, that person cannot be converted anymore. to went too far. He sinned the sin of the Holy God against Holy God. So there is, in the Bible, mentioned a common work of the Holy Spirit. That brings you close to the Lord. When you're close to salvation, close to the gate, but not through the gate. I read in Acts 7 that Stephen talks to the Israelites Ye stiff naked and uncircumcised in heart and, and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. So they're resisting the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost working, working, on them, and they're resisting it. So is that what it is? Did Saul have common impressions? Maybe. But I think it is something else. And let me explain that from verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. The Spirit of God came upon David and he was converted already. And the Holy Spirit came on him. So that must mean a special way of the Holy Spirit, a special gift of the Holy Spirit to equip a person, to make a person able to do the work. And that Spirit enabling. Spirit, was given to David and taken from Saul. See, that is the difference. The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, not enabling him anymore. He was not the same anymore. He could not do the work anymore. And for the next 20 years, it was going to be a disaster. Brings us to the second thought. An evil spirit from the Lord, troubling Saul. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord Trouble there. How can an evil spirit be an evil spirit from the Lord? What is an evil spirit anyway? An evil spirit is a devil, right? An evil spirit is not a good spirit, it's an evil spirit. Someone influencing people the wrong way, having the wrong influence. And taunting and teasing and attacking God's people. Like the Apostle Paul was attacked by Satan, buffeting him. So people can suffer from attacks from Satan. So an evil spirit. I, I can see that if it would have said, and an evil spirit from Satan troubled him. But it says an evil spirit... From the Lord. Some try to solve this by stating that there is a devil, the power of darkness, and God, the power of light. And those the two those two powers are independent. So God's doing all the good things, Satan's doing all the bad things. When the twin towers are attacked, oh, that's Satan, of course. It's not God. God don't do that. Or when someone gets cancer, that's the devil doing that. It's not God doing it. God doing it. So some have to separate that dualism. Manichaeism. It has different names in, 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 in church history. But If that's the case, if the Lord has nothing to say over Satan, if the Lord is not stronger than Satan, if he cannot do anything about it, if the Lord feels powerless over against those spirits, those evil spirits, that would, then we, can, then we should, don't, don't, don't have to pray anymore either. But I read in the Bible that all evil is also in the hand of God. So the Lord is doing evil things. I don't mean even in the sense of sinful things, but bad things. Amos 3, verse 6, Shall a trumpet be blown in the city, and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in the city, and the Lord has not done it? Is there evil in the city, and the Lord has not done it? Yes, he did. He allowed it, at least. He allowed it. Isaiah 45, "I' form the light and create darkness, I make peace and create evil." The Lord, do I, the Lord, do all these things? So the Lord is doing also evil things, to make something good out of it. It all has a place. It all has a purpose. But he's doing those things. And you remember Job, right? Job, what all happened to him? Who did it? Who did that? Who took all his children away and all his cattle? Did Satan receive permission from the Lord? Yes, without his permission, he could not do anything. So it is an evil spirit from the Lord. So the Lord let it land on him. So it came to him, to Saul, from the hand of the Lord. And a trouble there. Trouble there. Was he suffering from a mental illness? No, I don't think so. No, there's no way it It's it 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 something spiritual. Not something genetic or something because of the circumstance or something about certain things in his blood. No, it was the Lord doing that. Now, sometimes mental illnesses are called mental illnesses, and they might also have a spiritual side to it and a sinful side to it. It's kind of complicated. I don't know actually how to put it. But the Lord reigneth. And we are yet responsible. Responsible for all we do. You can never blame the evil spirit. Or blame your brain. Or blame something else. It's it's you doing it. And also King Saul. Then the evil spirit came, then he surrendered to the evil spirit. And it was his responsibility. So in a way, the Lord was kind of slowly giving Saul over to himself. And he hardened his heart. Like the Lord did to Pharaoh. He hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And the Lord hardened his heart. And so the power of God could also be seen. The Lord was going to show what he could do in all those circumstances. An evil spirit of the Lord. It started with disobedience, right? Saul was fine. But slowly, in course of time, he became proud. Slowly he became disobedient. He became very cocky. And he just he knew it better. And he began to sacrifice himself. And he spared Agag. And he spared all the cattle that they brought in. And he was refusing to walk in the Lord's ways. And there comes a point that they rejected him as king. And these are the circumstances following three, David playing the harp. So David could play well. And that music had an effect on him, an effect on Saul, and that's not the first time. I read in 1 Samuel 10, after that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and shall come to pass, when thou art come hither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place, with a psaltery, and a tabret, and a pipe, and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy and the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. So King Saul was early exposed to the music of the aesthetic prophets in one Samuel 10. He also began to prophesy and to sing along with them. And the Holy Spirit came upon him, when they were singing, when they were playing on the psaltery, the tabret, the pipe, and the harp. So in the Bible, sometimes music has a deep effect on people. It's used by the Lord to influence them. I also see it in the life of Elisha. Elisha was asked by Jehoram what if they would win the war. And Elisha said, but now bring me a minstrel. And come to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. So the musician, the minstrel was playing In the meantime, the Holy Spirit says something, did something. So music has a place in the worship service to to, to sing. It's sometimes also dangerous. Because not all music is harp music, right? Some music is aggressive music. Harp music is, let me say, Christian music. The purpose is to, to soothe, to heal, to give direction, to calm down. And sometimes music is the very opposite. There's also music from Satan. And you get all worked up. And aggressive and violent. There are examples, that's extreme, of concerts with that type of music where people standing on the on, on the on the chairs and started raving and ranting and fighting. Often it doesn't go so far, but music is something that we have to keep in mind What is doing to you. So what type of music are you listening to? And I don't know the uh, the exact answers, but I want you to think about it, young people. It's not only the words, the words not proper, or shallow, or ungodly, or swearing. It's not only the words, it's also the melody. Also the rhythm and the beat, and whatever it is. And I, I don't know the details. But just, just think about it. What is it doing to you? Is it helping you to get rid of your aggression? Is that the purpose? We often be, read a few more times about the harps in the Bible. Revelation 5, when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps. So the twenty-four elders, all twenty-four, had an harp. In the Bible. Revelation 14, and I had heard a voice from heaven As the voice of many waters, as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. Revelation 15 And I saw there a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that got the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over the mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. So thousands of people standing on the the sea of glass and they all playing the harp. That's the image of what heaven is like. So be careful with music, but I think there's also something else behind it. The music of the harp is soft and Tender and let me say meek, right? So that is the answer to Saul's anger and being troubled. Something soothing, something meek. You go to the line, a soft answer. Turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. So speak and act as a harp in your family, in your marriage, at at, at home, in school, in, in church, in the care home, wherever, Turk. Be as a harp. When people are fighting and making trouble and being aggressive, play the harp. Play the harp with your words and with your instruction. By long forbearing is the prince persuaded, and a soft tongue breaketh the bone. A wrathful man stirred up strife. But it is slow to anger, a peace of strife. So the harp was therapeutic. And so be also mindful of your voice. And be mindful of how you word things. And the, the, the tone you say things can just make it worse. Maybe it's not that bad, you say but your eyes speak and the tongue speaks, and that could also stir up wrath, be like the harp, that soft music of the harp. But then the last thought, King Saul had been anointed, he had received at least the common work of the Holy Spirit, he also was gifted, but then the Holy Spirit departed from him. Those gifts were taken away, and an evil spirit came on him. And sometimes, when David played the harp, that the evil spirit left again. He came back again, and he also left again. So let us think about that. Think about David, B, uh, 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 Saul, rather, at his best. Just after he had heard the music and just calmed down, it was normal again, just a normal person. Maybe you say, I am always normal, right? It is this possible. Maybe you had never that spirit troubling you. Maybe you never were so upset angry and that an evil spirit kind of possessed you. Maybe you should say, I, have, I don't know what that means. Well, even when you don't know what it means, King saw also at those times that he was normal. But he was normal and yet Unconverted. Was civil, and nice, and good, and compassionate, and empathizing, and a good king. And yet, he missed God's grace. Like David, was a man of God, and Saul missed that. So could you please think about that? If that would be you, that the Holy Spirit is knocking on your door, that you experience the common work of the Holy Spirit, and that you don't have that evil spirit, but yet for your own account. How can you live that way? How can you die that way? Because although you don't resemble Saul, there may be no raving or ranting, but inside is the same hostility. Because by nature we are enemies of God. So King Saul at his best was still an enemy of God. Do you want to admit that? Could you say that in prayer today to the Lord? Lord, I am an enemy of thee. I resist the Holy Spirit. Like my fathers, also me. You know, you may have that, those, those, those common impressions, and that's a blessing. And in those common impressions, you may read the Bible. And in those common impressions, you may Pray. And yet, the love is missing. And yet, the faith is missing. So it's, 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 it's nice if people have the common work of the Holy Spirit that are close to the kingdom, and he those knocks. The Lord Jesus said on time to one of the Pharisees, thou, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. So maybe you're also not far, maybe they're close, but you're not in. So what's the difference? Going to hell, same hell as all those angry people, and ungodly people, and people living in openly in sin, and then you go to the same place with, with, with all your impressions, and with all your civility, and all your legality. I have to think again about that man in this Bible piece, that servant of the Lord, the servant of Saul, rather, who said, I know someone. I have seen someone, and s- s- then, an- then answered, verse 18, then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse. I have seen, I know someone. He should approach him. Saul should send a messenger to him. I know someone. I know someone too. I've seen someone more than David. I've seen the Son of God, cunning and playing, but in speaking. A valiant man, a man of war in a sense, prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. You know, it's nice when people have counselors like that. Counselors with prudence and wisdom and bravery. And if the Lord is with them, it's so nice to have some advisors, God-fearing advisors and counselors. But they go a step deeper. It's the Lord Jesus himself I point you to. He is the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. He is the man of war. He is the man speaking so well. And he can just not only change your mood, he can change your heart so that you do not only become another man, but a new man and have a new life. What the lessons for today? The devil is still alive. The devil still uses music. The devil is cunning. And he knows how to deceive people. And he is the murderer from the beginning. But the Lord Jesus is the one giving life. So may his words, may the gospel, become music in our ears. May we hear it and someday be before the throne of God and play the harp and give glory to God in the highest. Amen.